Welcome to Trail Towns Radio with Paul Vanderplug and Dita Karsnes, the first bicycle tourism radio show in the world. Kia ora and now my hari mai ki. Trail Towns on SENZ, that's the sports entertainment network right across New Zealand. That's right, and good day, everyone in Australia. Hello and welcome to Trail Towns on SEN. I'm Dietz and that is Vandy. We are here to give you all the lowdown on going on a bike holiday, so the places to stay, where to eat, and especially the trails that you can ride. And it's not about who we talk to, Vandy. It's who we refuse that we're going to talk to that matters, and there's so many big names. But we talk to some big names as well. Yeah, we're beating people off with a stick that want to get on this show. Absolutely. But before we start today, Vandy, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that we are on today, which is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my and our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. That's right, and we're extremely privileged to ride and work on this land and extend our respects to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people listening in today. Vandy, who are we? That's a great question. Well, who are you? Well, I am an obsessive mountain bike rider. I once met the Sultan of Brunei, where I bowed. I once met Kylie Minogue, where I gave her a kiss. And I also once met with Bernie Eccleston, where I wore my Speedos under my $3,000 suit because I actually forgot my undies on that trip to London. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that all sounds very believable. (laughs) so true. And I'm a professional bike rider who once rode with the Prince of Persia, and I've also riven the equivalent to the moon and back, and I'm currently writing a screenplay called... The Secret Life of Vandy. Where do I sign up to read that one? That would be an incredible (laughs) read, I tell you what. But you know what's the most important thing is we host together the biggest hit TV show across the globe. It's massive. Well, actually, it's not, but we hope it to be one day. (laughs) It's called Trail Towns. It's on SBS, and you can catch it right now on SBS On Demand. And now... On SEN, which is a beautiful radio network, Trail Towns Radio. Yes, we're all over the shop. And on this week's show, we're chatting to my friend, Beck McConnell, three times Olympic mountain bike rider, and I was also in her bridal party at her wedding. Were you invited or did you just rock up? <laughs> I just was just like, oh, this looks like a fun wedding. <laughs> Turned up. <laughs> well, we're also chatting to Henry Van Ash. Now, a New Zealander who invented are you waiting for the bungee. Now, can you get your head around that? What sort of... I can't wait to talk to him. I can't wait either. It's just going to be fantastic. <laughs> Who invents the bungee? Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to discuss tips for buying a bike and have a chat about some tech tips, as we do every week, with the infamous Jammo. Oh, last week's episode was an absolute <laughs> rip snorter. I tell you what, we, we're still recovering from that one. Well, Dad actually called up and he was like... Uh, I didn't actually realise you were that funny, Paul, but you've done very well this week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Vandy, it's been a big week and I want to really start things off with this week was your birthday. Yes. And boy, did we have a a, a celebration next to us in the studio, which you can't see in listener land. But if you go on the socials, you'll see the gift that the entire Trail Towns team bought Vandy for his birthday, which is a robot from the 60s. Anyone that watches Lost in Space or has watched it would know Danger, danger, Will Robinson. That's that sort of thing. Yes, essentially I'm holding a retro robot that's supposed to do things, but as all retro robots, they're pretty useless. But it is a great uh, thing that you can put on a mantelpiece and look up and look at the and go, yeah, thanks, guys, for this useless bit of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it doesn't do a lot, but we like it all the same. Now, um, this week I also saw a wonderful 
film, which was on the ABC iView, I think it was, and it was about adaptive mountain bikes. Now, Vandy, do you know what that is? Well, no. What is it? Well, I didn't know either. Right. Adaptive mountain bikes are mountain bikes for people that are, are paraplegics, and it's something which is taking off. And it was this amazing film about... Collie in WA, now we know WA through the Southern Forests and Valleys episode. Yes. Collie is an episode we want to do in the future. They're building, in this old coal town, they're building miles and, well, miles, that's me, kilometres <laughs> of mountain bike trails costing a bomb, but they're building adaptive mountain bike trails. So wow. for mountain bikes or mountain Quad. vehicles, quads, for people with para, paraplegia. I've actually seen it now you've mentioned this i've seen it in western australia when i've raced at the cape to cape mountain bike race they do a uh, category for the hand cycle so the mountain bike hand cycle is this the same exactly thing? exactly and this film featured richard williams who was a paraplegic who said this has absolutely transformed his life now if you look at the trails they're building in wa they're wider and there are less technical features but they still flow and they usually parallel with you know a normal mountain bike trail and he was saying just how he felt so included and so welcomed into the mountain bike community. And to tell you what, it just gave me the most fantastic feeling watching that film. So well done, WA. And let's get more uh, adaptive mountain bike trails built for people who are paraplegics and they still want to get out and enjoy the sport because that's what we're about is more people enjoying bike riding. Right, Fanny? Absolutely. It's so good to be more inclusive and build trails that everyone can ride because I'm sure those trails will also be appropriate for people who are learning to ride as well because they're nice and wide. They, they absolutely are. Um, also this week, I read a terrific article from Gary Long, who is, uh, Gary was in our Goldfields episode, the yes. O'Keefe Rail Trail. Gary wrote a great article in Rail Trail Connections. Now, it doesn't sound like it's the sexiest magazine ever, but it's a terrific write. Well, really, seriously, it's someone, great. Someone who's as excited about rail trails as you are, I'm sure you would have been enthralled. I was enthralled because Gary wrote a great piece about a potential Murchison in Victoria Rail Trail, which starts in Murchison. Pretty much goes all the way through a place called to called Rush uh, Rushworth. We're talking central Victoria, central Victoria, and then down to Heathcote to the rail rail wheel run. So that whole region I know well, and it would be the most wonderful rail trail. Anyway, Gary's article was mystical. I, I almost teared up reading it. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> That's great. All right, so we're always focusing on the Bravery Trust, Bravery Trek. How's your week been, mate? It's been okay. We've had inclement weather this week in Melbourne, but I'm up to about 400 Ks and we've got some big ideas about how we can pump that money up. We're about six, $7,000, but we've got to do about another 600 Ks in the next three weeks, which shouldn't be an issue, but we, we, we want to get to 20 K and we're about 14, 15 K or 13 K shy. So we've got some ideas around that, but if well, you'd like to help us. Yeah, absolutely. Jump on the Bravery Trek website and search Trail Towns team and it's super easy to donate and we'd love for you guys to get behind the return veterans that need support because it's such a good cause. It is such a fantastic cause. So so, cause. so watch this space, Vandy. Yes, you are with Vandy and Dietz on SEN and we have the giant guest of the week coming up, Beck McConnell. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Trail Towns Radio, the first bicycle tourism radio show in the world. You're with Vandy and Dietz, and this is Trail Towns Radio on SEN, and now it's time for the giant guest of the week, and we have Beck McConnell, a very good friend of mine and a professional mountain biker who re- represented Australia in the Olympics in London, Rio, and Tokyo. 
and she won a bronze medal in 2019 and 2020 at the Mountain Bike World Championships and is also the better half to Dan McConnell and owner of Lenny the Dash Hound. Hello, Beck. Hello, how are you guys going? We are fantastic, Beck. I've just got a couple of questions. Firstly, I met you when we were doing the Canberra episode and I'd sworn away alcohol completely until I met you and your crew and next minute I was on drinking beers straight away. <laughs> it was supposed I, to be Febfast. I, I forgot the whole rest of the afternoon after that, thanks to you. But um, And also, I, how, you're a friend of Vandy. I really, really need to talk about your choice of friends. But anyway, you've been, <laughs> you've been racing bikes for absolutely years. How did you get into mountain bike racing? Um, yeah, well, that's all. That's a... A big introduction and a lot. Um, but yes, uh, you're probably right. My friendship with Vandy is probably questionable. But um, yeah, I think um, I got into the sport through um, my family. I think it's sort of the way most people get into mountain biking. But yeah, just from a young age and what's not to love. So yeah, and I think all the good friends that I've met through the sport is probably what kept me here. Yes, I actually remember... I think it was maybe the first time I saw you racing was in Threadbow and you had, you had this huge lead on everyone. I think you'd almost lapped second place, but you were so determined and you were so focused and that has carried into your professional career. You're now one of the top ranked riders in the world. How does that feel, Beck? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I guess I've always been super competitive, um, whether whatever I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's something that is still quite surreal to me, um, to be one of the highest ranked in the world. Um, I just look at me as just, just Beck and then sometimes I see myself on the T V and think, Who is that girl? Um, <laughs> she's actually pretty good. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's always a strange feeling to me, but I just, just try to enjoy it. You, we've seen such an increase in female participation in mountain bike riding. I remember I was racing in the 90s. There was really no females participating in the sport. And now it's it's really booming. What's brought that change along, Beck? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like the sport is just so inclusive, um, which is awesome. Um, and, yeah, I think just like the coverage of – all cycling and mountain biking um, on TV makes it super accessible. And you can see that the girls are racing, some are girly girls, and, like, it's it's just for everyone. And I think, you know, there's no pressure to be a certain kind of person. And I think that welcoming environment and just it's available um, is probably what gets people into it. And it's obviously quite motivating at the moment being in a time when the women's racing has been arguably more uh, exciting to watch. Like Chloe and I watch the World Cup on Red Bull TV every every time it's on. And Chloe watches the women's racing with me and then she goes to bed when the men's is on because she's like, well, the men's boring, Paul. Like, um, explain that a little bit for the audience, I guess. Yeah, I guess um, the men's racing was, you know, dominated by a handful of riders um, in the past and sort of still continues to be like that. But the women's field is, there's probably 10 riders on the start line every time who could win. And every week the podium is mixed with different riders. So it's it's unpredictable and it's exciting. And I think, um, yeah, people are just really getting into it. Yeah, I bet um, my partner, Jane, is probably typical of 
many partners are passionate mountain bikers and they sort of get roped into the sport a little bit and all of a sudden, like, oh, let's go for a ride, let's go for a ride. Jane would look, if Jane was sitting here, she would ask you, Beck, give me some tips. I've started mountain bike riding with my passionate partner who probably leaves me on the trail too much and <laughs> doesn't give me <laughs> enough advice as to how to do things. Give, give Jane some advice as if she was sitting here so that uh, she can become a better rider. Well, I think it would be cool. Um, you know, there's a lot of girls in the sport now, and I think it's really cool when the girls get together and go riding sometimes without their partners. Um, yeah. You know, typically the more experienced rider tends to leave the less experienced rider behind a bit, and sometimes I think it can be really frustrating trying to keep up or, you know, when you're challenged more and they're just sailing through like it's nothing. And I think, you know, finding riders of your own ability can sometimes be really rewarding. I mean... For me, sometimes it's really good to find people better than me to challenge me and push me. But at the same time, it's also good to ride with people of your own ability. So you just build your confidence and sort of progress at your own rate. And well, you've actually started riding an e-bike a little bit, Beck, And you raced in the e-bike national championships this year. Um, what's your opinion on e-bikes? Because we love them on the show but there's this weird stigma that e-bikes are only for people who are unfit or injured and can't ride a normal bike. So, Yeah, well, I'm actually just about to head out on my e-bike after I finish this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I am a passionate e-bike lover. I think, um, to me, they make the sport so much more inclusive. You know, I just know quite a few people who have been ex- extremely unfit and then they can get that e-bike and start you know, venturing to places that were impossible before and totally. maybe 30 minutes was the limit and now they can ride for two hours. But at the same time, I think for professional riders and everyone in between this, you know, I love my e-bike. It, sometimes riding for me is a chore and it feels like work. So I can go on my e-bike and just have fun. And yeah, I just think they're amazing. They are amazing. We we absolutely love them here on the show and in my own life with Jane. That does enable us to ride together. Um, I think it's important you get a an e bike that fits you and is right for you. I guess I guess you know buying the right e bike if you're a female rider or bike is really important. What does a what what does a female need to look for in a bike as opposed to like a guy like me or or Vandy? Well, I think everybody needs a bike that fits them well, um, and that's. <laughs> Not really specific to, to females, but, you know, I think, you know, say for me, I have to make a few more modifications to a stock bike when I get it. Um, you know, I'm quite small, um, so I do have to cut the handlebars down and, you know, just make small changes like that. But, you know, obviously you have to buy the right size um, and something that you think is comfortable. And then I think it's, yeah, more about fixing it up with the little bits and pieces to make it fit and work for you the best. I always remember your bike photos and you had like the steepest possible stem you could find to get the handlebars low enough to suit your riding position. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Beck, no. So, I mean, this show is about cycling holidays and uh, I assume you also like holidays. Do you take your bike? And if you do, where do you go? Well, mostly if I'm having a real holiday, I probably would avoid bringing the bike. Um, <laughs> but I, my favourite place in the world to ride a bike and have a holiday is 
finale Ligura. I don't even know how to say it properly in Italy. Um, I know it's, it's, it's kind of close to Monaco. Yeah, and yeah, I think that is hands down my favourite place. It's got amazing vibes, amazing atmosphere, amazing trails, and yeah, I just love it. And what else makes it good, Beck? <laughs> The gelati. What are you asking? The pizza? The gelati. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not a big ice cream girl, sadly, but uh, the pizza is definitely worthwhile. That, that's just Italy in general, though, yes. isn't it? You know what we loved was coming to Canberra. Tell us about Canberra. We've talked about Canberra on the show a fair bit, how it just blew us away. Stromlo, Bajura Pines for mountain biking, the trail system around, the, the restaurants, the pubs, the breweries. Canberra, you must be pretty proud of the way it's going. Yeah, I love it here. I think, you know, as I mean, I've I was born here and I grew up here. Um, but as for living, it's an amazing city. It's not too big, but it's not. It's getting a bit too big now, but it's not too big and not too small. Um, so but yeah, the so cycling, don't go there, right? <laughs> yeah, we're full. <laughs> um, but yeah, the cycling is. You know, there's everybody knows about Stromlo and the Arboretum on Madura, but there's you know there's a lot of things places to ride that sort of connect these places and so you can ride everywhere in Canberra and you know we have awesome footpaths and the road riding is good so yeah I mean for me it's been the perfect place to to grow up and be able to ride a bike and I think you know for for young kids if you want to ride to Stromlo or ride anywhere you can do it all by footpath so there's also it makes it accessible for for young people without having to commute on the road. Oh, yeah, fan- I love it here. It's fantastic. Every time we do the show, we always somehow talk about Canberra every week. It's so weird. We love that city. Now, we have the surprise rapid fire round, Beck. Essentially, we'll give you two options and you just have to pick one. Are you ready? I didn't know about this. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> this is how our audience finds out the really interesting stuff yes, about you. Now, so, so buckle up. Here we go. Here we go. It is hardtail or full suspension? Full suspension. Climbing or descending? Descending. <laughs> Stromlo or Majura Pines? Oh, Stromlo. Oh, I love Majura Pines, Vandy. But anyway, okay, here's a tricky one for you. Mud or dust? Dust. Oh, wow. come on, Beck. We know you're a mud queen. Everyone calls it. <laughs> the Olympics or World Cup racing? World Cup racing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention the Olympics. <laughs> and the last curly question here. Dan, your husband, O'Connell, fellow Olympian and Australian multiple oh, no. mountain bike champion, or Van D. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had said Lenny, we would have been in trouble, but oh, uh, with Van D, it's a bit easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's me, obviously. Oh, so yeah, it's clearly Van D, right? <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We loved chatting with you. You were terrific, Beck. <laughs> My pleasure. (laughs) 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 Laughing at us as usual. What's going on there, Mandy? (laughs) Anyway, coming up on the show right after this is the Quadlock Topic of the Week. Tips for buying a bike. You're on SEN with Vandy and Deets. And just laugh at us. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Trail Towns Radio, the first bicycle tourism radio show in the world. You're with Vandy and Dietz, and this is Trail Towns on SEN. And now it's time for the Quadlock Topic of the Week, Vandy. 
tips when buying a bike. Now, I must say, Vandy, I've made virtually every mistake there possibly is when it comes to buying a bike. And you've also helped people make mistakes. I have. In fact, I've, I've really done that extremely well too. So whatever I do, do the opposite and you'll be fine. No, we actually do not what we're talking about. We've both worked in bike shops. Mum and Dad used to own Rocky Valley Bikes and Snow Sports in Mount Beauty. And you've worked at Vic MTB, one of the original mountain bike stores. So we, we do know a little bit about how to buy a bike. So what's what's your first tip, mate? I think for me, what I used to always wonder when somebody came in is what is their budget? Because it's a really important question. You can spend $500, $5,000 or $15,000 or even $25,000 well, on a mountain bike. Let's well, not you get could. To, you can. You can. And that's the point. If you have a budget, then you're going to get a certain level of bike and yep. you don't want to spend more money than you need to or sometimes you need to spend as much money as you have to to get a quality bike. So I would suggest know your budget for a start. Yeah, and if you know your budget, then it just makes all of your options really restricted because if you're willing to spend a certain amount of money, like if you can afford it, it's better to spend more because the bike will be lighter so it'll be more efficient to ride and it, it'll in general be more reliable. So the parts are of a higher quality. They're made of better materials. So Shimano, for example, all of the parts on the bike will start off like quite heavy and maybe not as strong. And then they get really light, but somehow they stay really strong. Like my, my parts on my bike, the XTR components are so reliable. And that's the funny conundrum of buying a bike, the more you pay, the less you get. It's actually true. <laughs> yeah. But you think about it, if you're riding a mountain bike and you need something to be unbelievably light, it still needs to be equally as strong as that part on a $500 machine. I mean, i.e. it cannot break. Mm. So to make something light and strong means you're using exotic materials like titanium, etc., or carbon fiber. And that starts costing a lot of money. Well, that's the point. The carbon fiber frame is a really big expensive component of a bike. So Giant make bikes out of aluminium, so they're cheaper. Or if you want to get a more expensive bike, they make them out of carbon fiber, which has really good uh, shock absorption. So it has vibration dampening in the carbon fiber layup, which is a bit technical. But then the aluminium's also quite good because they've been working on making aluminium frames for years. So both options are good, but one is more expensive than the other. And they ride a little bit differently too. I remember back in the day in Vicam, we used to sell these new carbon fiber bikes, yeah. right? Um, and you used to say, oh, we don't know if they last as long. Well, the fact is today carbon is almost indestructible and almost yeah. lasts forever for all intents and purposes. So, um, you know, uh, it's all about what you, what type of riding you're doing too. If you, you, you are, if you go into a store and you, I don't really know what sort of riding I'm doing, you're not giving the people in the store in the retail environment enough clues. I'm going to ride rail trails and I want to do a little bit of cross country running. Or, hey, I want to do enduro. I want to hit some big doubles. That really helps the people who are going to try and sell you a bike direct you to the right sort of bike. I'd say this is probably the biggest point. Where are you riding? Are you riding on a road? You get a road bike. Are you riding on gravel? You get a gravel bike. Are you riding mountain bike trails? You get a mountain bike. But then within mountain biking, there's different categories. So there's gravity mountain bikes, there's cross-country mountain bikes, and everything in between. They've even created another thing called down country. So it's if you're riding slightly more downhill, cross-country trails. So the bike shop um, salesperson, they will know all of this information. So the biggest tip, I guess, when buying a bike is go into a bike shop 
and talk to someone because they're trained professionals in most cases. If you go to a good bike shop, they'll be able to point you in the right direction. They will. And I know myself, um, I'm passionate about mountain bikes and I love them and I've got a couple. And for instance, we're talking about gravel. I'm going to ride, get it next week. I think my giant XTC hardtail race bike for cross country racing, but for gravel that suits me. It's got yep. front suspension, but it's really stiff and really light. So it's perfect for me. But, you know, you've got what they call a quiver bike, one bike that can do everything. And for most people, that's what you want to have. So know roughly where you can spend 80% of your riding and get a bike right for that. And that bike still can do other stuff. Yep, totally. And we didn't get a chance to talk about e-bikes, but we'll talk about e-bikes another time. Because next week. It's a huge hey, there's topic. always next week. It's, uh, it's, a, it's We'd be remiss not to cover e-bikes, but uh, I think we've talked about e-bikes enough. This yeah. is more just covering, you know, what sort of, what sort of things you need to look at when you're buying a bike? You do. And look, there are lots of other things, but, you know, again, know your bike, know your budget, know the type of riding you do, should do, I should say, and then away you go. And we could talk about this for hours because we've all owned a bunch of bikes over the years. <laughs> and still do. <laughs> <laughs> but let's introduce Henry Van Ash. You're on Trail Towns Radio with Fandy and Dietz, and now we've got our very special guest, Henry Van Ash from New Zealand. Um, I am so excited to speak to Henry. He's the co-founder and director of AJ Hackett Bungie. More of that in a sec. He's a New Zealand downhill mountain bike national champion, and he's touted as New Zealand's first ever heli biker. Welcome to the show, Henry. Thanks very much. It's good to be uh, on, and you know, we, we love Trail Towns. That's <laughs> <laughs> why we got you on. Now we know. <laughs> Thank you very much, Henry. Now, we're dying to know the story about how you invented bungee and what kind of madness led to that sort of decision to create this suspending rubber band thing. Well, I've had a long affiliation with gravity. I grew up on a hill farm, so we used to tow our these funny old 26-inch bikes up with motorbike handlebars up the hill behind the Land Rover to feed out hay. And we'd come down the hill right from we probably were about 10, well, 9 or 10 years old, my brother and I. So uh, we had you know, a lot of gravity descents happening initially, and then I got into skiing pretty heavily and went over to Europe and raced uh, speed skiing, got up to 194 kilometres an hour on straight down a mountain in Whoa. France. Oh, that wasn't <laughs> in then, uh, that uh, Greg Stuck movie, <laughs> The Blizzard of Oz, was it? <laughs> Yeah, I actually did hang out with Greg Stumper, but over didn't? there. You did? No, that's time. one of the greatest ski movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, up in, up in Argentier, there was, there was uh, Gary Bingham was up there. But anyway, uh, I came back here from that and, and uh, started, you know, mountain bikes were just coming out. That was a bit in the, in the, the late 80s. They were just starting to emerge. And I'd started riding mountain bikes, actually, a little bit before that. Old, you know, rigid, rigid uh, bikes were rim brakes and everything. Death machines. <laughs> and and then in 1988, I uh, there was a downhill mountain bike race, so I, I went on that and actually won that event and won a few other bike races around about that time for a few years as well. So uh, I've got a good history in, in uh, gravity was on snow and then on, on bikes. And then I uh, met a guy called AJ Hackett, and he he was a skier, and we skied in Wanaka. And, and then uh, one time I was he helped me with some skiing events, and then at some point I was... Oh, he was like, oh, I've got this rubber. This guy, another friend of his, Chris, let's try this out. So they did a jump one weekend, and then the next, you know, during the week, got on the old, you know, there was no cell phones in those days, just on the phone. And um, he said, you've got to come up. So I tried a bungee with him. That was probably about 86. 
AJ came over to um, to France with me and speed skied and realised that Bungie really, uh, really, really had something with Bungie. Um, so we came back here and started it all commercially in 1988 down here in Queenstown. Wow. That's an amazing story. Yeah, my head is still spinning, Vandy. Your head. Henry hung out with Greg Stump. Now, anybody who wants to see the Blizzard of Oz, the greatest ski movie ever, have <laughs> oh, a look at it. Anyway. These Alpines, he used to manage an oh, Alpine skier oh, back in the day. Gosh, so he's I love that movie, Alpine the, ski the chat. Euro Music ACT. Anyway, Henry, um, the link between heli biking and, and bungee. I mean, heli biking, this is, we're going to do this with you in New Zealand in our New Zealand series. It's actually what Vandy and I are pretty much looking forward to the most. Tell us about heli biking. Well, with heli biking, there's a guy that some people over there will have heard of called Glenn Jacobs, who uh, I became very close friends with. We had him we on the show. We had him on the show last week. Yeah. Well, the best trial maker in the world. Anyway, we were bungee jumping up in Cairns in, in 89, and I had a GT Shizang titanium rigid bike. <laughs> and I heard about this bike race from the Karanda Range, and I showed up up there, and there was Glenn Jacobs. and. Wade and oh, there's a few other people up there and it was the first ever bike race held in Cairns the first downhill and we went in that and became great friends with those guys and helped them uh, set up all the tracks and sponsored the national champs up there on the Cairns downhill and then my bungee t- uh, company up there we paid for a lot of the b- building of the World Cup tracks and so yep. on so we were very heavily involved in that at that time and actually around about then Glenn Jacobs did say we can uh, we can we can go and uh, bike the the pyramid, which was probably illegal. But anyway, we got a <laughs> jet ranger and we tied all the bikes on underneath. We flew up there and we biked that pyramid uh, down near the Karanda Range, which was another one we used to used to lap out on. Wow! But um, so Glenn was was also inspira- you know inspirational to me in getting uh, getting heli biking. We had actually snuck one in here up in Glenorchy, which is just. Uh, just west of Queenstown, further towards the uh, the centre of the mountains here, yep. and she uh, just went back last week and rode the same trail that we did back in 1989, probably uh, riding the the first heli bike in New Zealand. That's the oh. year I was born. 1989. Were you on the Jazang? <laughs> I love Jazang. So great pushy. Yes. Oh, well, that, look. It, yeah, it's... yeah. So it's, it's been a good history of that. And then we've done a lot of exploring over the last ten years, and. Uh, so all good. around this region, trying different tracks and and so on. So you're in Queenstown. I've been to Queenstown. There's something magical about that environment. What do you think has created such a beautiful culture there? Well, Bungie was certainly helpful because we, with that, we were able to sort of de-risk high adventure pretty much. Bungie's very predictable. We knew what the rub was going to do. We knew what all the carabiners and you know the bridges weren't going to fall down, and and uh, we just got a you know we got a good crew of people that were able to guide people through the process of terror, <laughs> and 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 then and then self-esteem building, and I think that was one of the things that really got Queenstown on the map in the in the late 80s as being uh, you know a place where you could do what had previously been seen as extreme stuff um, you know, pretty safely. Still is to me, man, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that was over 30 years ago, and we're just coming up on the, the on this Thursday, actually, for our 30... I've lost count. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 33rd birthday. <laughs> um, and, you know, Bungie is, was a great thing that did that. Biking at that stage was, was, wasn't, you know, the bikes weren't so developed, and... Over the next 10 or 15 years, bikes developed and more trails have been built and other venture activities evolved in Queenstown. And people have come here and had it's a beautiful environment. The people are friendly and there's a lot of people here who love doing things in the outdoors, whether it's 
you know, slow trail riding these days or heli skiing or skiing on ski fields or golf or, you know, uh, you know, swimming in a in a cold lake. It's um, got it all. Yeah, there's a lot of people here who love uh, paraponting, you know, off off the paragliding para off uh, the mountain tops and so on. So, so uh, cool. you know, it is it is a, a beautiful place and the people are friendly and and um, there are some some really great opportunities here to yeah. to do all of those things. Oh, High population of helicopters per capita. <laughs> so we use them a lot, a bit like taxis. It's our kind of place, really. <laughs> Anything's possible. Look, we're, we're coming to Queenstown for Trail Towns in Season 2 in New Zealand. We will be seeing you then. We know cycle tourism is booming in New Zealand, Henry, and we would like to uh, chat to you further about it on TV. How about that? Yeah, well, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And a lot of Australians have been here over the last 10 or you know 15 years particularly, and when they come back after having this slightly enforced uh, break, I think that those people that have been here before will be delighted with the new trails that have emerged over the last couple of years. And those that haven't will come over here and go, bloody hell, this uh, this, you know, this really deserves its reputation as one of the, the leading bike destinations in the world or leading adventure destinations in the world. So good. We can't wait. But that's all we got time for, mate. Thanks for coming on. We've really enjoyed chatting with yeah, you. It was so great, Henry. Thank you. Well, I'm really looking forward to it over here. When you get here, we'll we'll show you uh, we'll show you a thing or two that you can't do anywhere else in the world. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Well, look, after the break, we're going to be on the road with Nissan, and we'll be chatting about the Great Victorian Rail Trail episode, Vandy. Yo, you're listening to Trail Towns Radio, the first bicycle tourism radio show in the world. This is Trail Towns with Vandy and Dietz, and now it's time for On the Road with Nissan. And we absolutely love our Nissan X-Trail, don't we, mate? On this episode, the Great Victorian Rail Trail episode, um, we used it a lot because you kind of have to drive to the start in Talarook or you drive to Seymour, and the X-Trail was absolutely terrific the and whole time. also, breaking the fourth wall, we did, because we couldn't resist, go up to Lake Mountain to the Cascades Trail, and then we did the giant Vandy Challenge up at Mount Buller. So the Nissan was worth its weight in gold. So much so we broke the fifth and the sixth wall as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's on insurance, though, so it's fine. Can you explain what breaking the fourth wall oh, is? Oh, it's in TV talk where, oh. we, where, we, 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 where we stop trying to suspend the disbelief and we just say, hey, we've got a film crew here and we're filming a TV show and that's what we're doing. Yeah. But anyway, this particular episode, <laughs> the Great Victorian Rail Trail, was, I mean, I, I fell in love with rail trails a long, long time ago because I can enjoy them with my partner, Jane, and yep. they're just lovely and they're beautiful. And also, I, I do love trains and you get to see the history of where you're riding really open up. But and this great Victorian rail trail is the longest in Australia, continuous one, I'm pretty sure. It absolutely is. The stretch from, uh, I think, Tullarook through to Trawall, tell us about that. I mean, whoa. Well, you roll up, you, it's easily accessible. So for people who don't know, it's only, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes on the train from Southern Cross Station in the centre of Melbourne, and then you get to Talarook. So you jump on your bike or you drive there and park your car there, and then you just start cruising along this beautiful, slightly downhill rolling hills, and you cross into whatever the next valley is near Seymour, and you come around the corner and it's like a mirage in front of you, Trawool Estate. It was some old pub back in the day. Pub railway station. Yeah, and now they've just reinvested, redeveloped, and the 
two new owners, Terry and Wes, and Wes have just made it into this beautiful venue and restored all of the rooms. They've got a beer garden that's actually right next to the rail trail. So you can't actually ride past it without stopping. You'd be crazy to do that. They've got live music in summer. It's just like this little bit of a buzz. So it's fantastic. And the scale of it has to be seen to believe. So it was an old coach house, railway station slash hotel for 150 years. And it is huge. And Wes and Terry have poured millions into it. It has to be seen to be believed. Now let's talk about that Cascades Trail, mate, because that is one hell of a great mountain bike trail, right? Yeah, it's it's only an hour and a half if you drive directly from Melbourne. So where is it? Where tell the audience? It's in <laughs> tell the audience. Hurry up! It's what are they? In, they mind readers? <laughs> it's in Marysville, and it's it's a fantastic little initiative that Lake Mountain have done because they're a winter resort, really famous for cross country skiing and tobogganing, and they've been ravaged by bushfires um, over the last few decades, and the town was was really trying to find something to bring people back in. And it's been fantastic. This trail takes you from the top of Lake Mountain all the way back down on this journey back to Marysville. Top of Lake Mountain, you can almost see Melbourne through the burnt ghost gums. It's actually a pretty tough ride. I mean, it's probably three, 400 metres of climbing, maybe even a bit more. So it's not a pure flow trail, but what a beautiful, beautiful place. Absolutely. And have you got any behind-the-scenes action. Yeah, well, my one behind-the-scenes is you fat-shaming me. <laughs> we were walking across a swing bridge, and the swing bridge started to swing uncontrollably, and you said, too many pies, deets, too many burgers. And I said, yes, I'm trying to keep up with you. And then when we jumped in at uh, Lake Bonnie Doon, we all kept our clothes on because we are too embarrassed about our rigs. Oh, we, we, we just we couldn't inflict our rigs on the audience. It's just not fair. Plus, it's a G-rated program after all. Anyway, we could go on about the GBRT, and we will in other episodes. But right now, it's time for... I guess it's the most popular part of the show, or it is for me anyway. And it's, for me, I love it. It's Shimano Terrific Tech Tips. With, with Jammo. With Jammo, right after this. <laughs> and welcome back to SEN with Vandy and Dietz on Trail Towns Radio. And now it's time for Shimano Terrific Top Tech Tips with Jammo. Jammo owns quality bicycles in Surrey Hills, but refuses to reveal what level of quality he's actually providing. He once rode from Melbourne to Threadbow for the National Mountain Bike Championships and then complained about having nothing left in the tank during the race. <laughs> Welcome, Jammo. G'day, boys. How are you? Oh, we're very good, very good. Well, I actually want to hear slightly more about this because I've been to Threadbow and it's not an easy bike ride either. And it's not a short distance. I think it takes six hours in a car. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't have a car. So um, the Nationals are on up there. So I, a, a mate said, how are you going to get there? And I said, well, I'll, I'll ride. And he said, oh, you'd never make it, old man. And I said, well, wouldn't I? Just watch. Well, huh. <laughs> it took three days, and um, it just about killed me. And uh, how was the how was the race, uh, the national level mountain bike race that weekend? Well, amazingly enough, I had a, I wasn't very fit, and um, I kind of did all my training in the last three days. Had a day off before the race, and I finished I finished top twenty, which was not bad. Uh, not bad, probably That's... top third of the field back then. And you're yeah, at, no, I was, I... and you're at altitude too, too. Like riding threadbow is not easy. Tell me about it. I rode up the hill to get there. 
<laughs> I actually won an Oceana title in Threadbow, and there's now a tree planted uh, with my name at the bottom of it. Wow. <laughs> well, I got my ski instructing certifications at Threadbow, and then... Got mightily drunk that evening. <laughs> such, so much connection to that amazing Alpine village, oh, isn't there, I within us? They're actually opening in a couple of weeks, Threadbow, and they've got this new trail, which is good because we're actually talking about something real, like a trail. Yep. The Threadbow Valley Trail, which starts in Threadbow or the top of the summit, and it goes all the way to Jindabyne now, and it's a beginner-friendly hey, hey. trail. Hey, 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 this is my segment. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Jamo. Oh, yeah, I forgot you were there. We're losing track. What have you got for us this week, Jamo? Well, well, can I just go back to the intro? What happened? What happened? I was talking to Ruby before the show, and she promised me, in return for staying on message and, and you know, sticking to the script, that I could have a musical introduction. Oh, all right. Oh, we'll chuck one in there. Yeah, we'll work it out. We're going to do a jingle for you this week. Wait, next week you're going to have your own jingle. <laughs> I was thinking we are the champions or, or fanfare for the common man, but a, a mate from um, um, uh, Park Tool I was just talking to, and he suggested um, the Benny Hill music. Yeah, that would be more right. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> Faulty Towers introduction music or something, yes. So, um, what do you got for us this week, mate? Well, this is going to be the special, sensible Shimano Top Tips. We're going to yes. impart some actual useful information just this once, Dieter. Oh, we don't, we don't but, want to train our audience up too oh, much to expect substance. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not change a running system yeah. here. But I, was a, I was a bit short on material for this week's show, so I was leaping through some old um, Vic Mountain Bike Centre newsletters. But all I could find was an article I wrote about how to tell if evil spirits have possessed your mountain bike. And that was based on um, a series of crashes where the bike kept throwing me over the handlebars. Oh, yes, the superstitious bike with bad juju. (laughs) You'd be familiar with that. The other article was about how there was a cloud of um, titanium-eating gas out in space that was on a collision course with the Earth. And the only way to protect their expensive titanium bicycle parts was to immerse them in pineapple juice until the all clear was given. And that, that Dieter went into hysterics when he heard that, you know, loves those overpriced weight saving titanium parts so that good. I sold him. You sold me. And you know what? I remember the brakes you sold me, they were called Onza brakes. They were vastly yeah. in, in, inferior to XTR and they were four times yeah. the price. They didn't yeah. actually work. Well, as you've said, nothing is too fruity or too expensive. Yeah, I tell you what, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely, I'd absolutely break the rules on that one. But yes, Eric, carry on. Your, um, your, your El Bandito that we're referring to is your mountain bike magazine, which was the first mountain bike magazine in the world that you actually were the editor of. <laughs> That's right. We only landed in legal trouble three or four times. You know, we did quite well. Uh, yeah. um, anyway, onto the serious stuff. Yes. Um, the, there was a news report released last week that found that cycling adds $6.3 billion a year to the Australian economy and supports 35,000 jobs. Is that How's it? Is that? Is that all? Um, <laughs> and they say yeah, about a billion dollars is spent on new bikes every year, $1.5 billion on cycling tourism, that's where you boys come in, yep. Yep. and a billion on clothing and accessories. So that's $6.3 billion minus that lot leaves $2.8 billion, which I presume is... Spent on repairs in your back pocket, is it? Is it going well, to the jammo? Well, all I can say is precious little of that's found its way to quality bicycle repairs. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's, what it's... they said was that the economic contribution of cycling is on par with the horse racing industry, which is hmm, there you go. That, well, that's, that's really interesting. Now, and also, yeah. 
Yeah, sorry, you go. Sorry, this is your second. Just stop interrupting me. We're on a schedule here. Yeah, stop interrupting. Um, cycling and Christmas. Now, I've been in this business for a while. I've done 32 Christmases in the bike shop. Oh, wow. And, and Christmas is always a little bit of panic time because you've, you know, you've got lay-bys and you've got repairs and everyone wants everything by Christmas, before Christmas, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just made me think of um, that, that people need to be aware that, you know, get your orders in early, get your repairs in early. Don't yes. leave it till the last minute. You know, going back years ago, um, I, I had about 100 bikes, mostly kids' bikes on lay-by, and they... They were bikes that were forward ordered and were, were on the boat from Taiwan. And we got to early December and they still hadn't turned up and I was oh, starting no. to panic. So I went over to the, the bike company they were over in Bayswater and, and burst into the CEO's office and, and said, you know, what's going on? He shrugged his shoulders and said, there's been a typhoon in the South China Sea and all the container boats are put back to port. Oh, no. <laughs> It was the best excuse I've ever heard. This is actually, this is a fantastic tip. So the tip is get your orders get early, early for early. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that's a really yeah. useful tip. Wow, I'm surprised. I'm shocked even. I know. We were talking earlier about, you know, tips for buying bikes and we probably missed that one. Well, also going to a reputable dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Jamo doesn't sell bikes. Exactly. That's why we why we got you on the Jamo. But the same thing applies. Don't leave it till the last minute. No. You, you know. The world comes to an end. Unlike the preparation of this radio show, don't leave it to the last minute. Now, Jamo, what do you got for us? What's your tip of the week? What's your your rule of of the week? week? The the rule of the Shimano, golden rule of mountain biking tip of the week is that when you're out on the trail, the biggest danger to a mountain bike rider is another mountain bike rider. (laughs) I can testify to that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, you know, keep your head up. Look where you're going. And don't ride with Deets. Yes. Well, never ride with Deets. <laughs> Terrible riding partner. Thank uh, you, Jamo. That's it. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, see you a little later, Nitz. See you next week, mate. All the best. Mate, I can't believe we're at the end of the show already. Melancholy once again hits me like a tidal wave of Sadness, Vandy. Well, I might be overdoing it a bit. We'd like to thank Beck McConnell, Henry Van Ash, and Jamo for joining us on this week's episode. And don't forget, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Trailtowns TV, but more importantly, go to www.braverytrek.com.au and donate to our cause. Trailtowns team, donate your cash. There are literally swathes of people out there, Vandy, sleeping peacefully on temper pillows thanks to our temper competition. And last week's winner is Lord Moose. And her answer was, when I tried to cut off Mr. Paul van der Plurg on my first ever mountain bike ride and nearly went over the handlebars, Vandy. Well, the true SOS story is the fact that the Lord Moose went over the handlebars and our producer, Kirsty, had to save her from a pile of blackberry bushes, but she was completely in shock. And Kirsty was like, just stay still. And then <laughs> <laughs> it was just complete shambles. Once but... again, Kirsty saves the day exactly. as usual. This week's temper question is Vandy. What is your favorite rail trail? I, I love them all. I'm holding a temper pillow for those in the audience who can't see me, which is everybody. <laughs> oh, make sure you go to Instagram, Trail Towns TV, and comment on the temper pillow post 
And please enter because the pillows are fantastic. And thanks to our most wonderful, beautiful partners, Giant, Shimano, Nissan, Temper, Quadlock and Tula. And to our producer, Ruby Bannerman and our studio producer, the great Sir Michael Thompson. Thanks for tuning in on <laughs> Trail Towns Radio. SEN, we'll catch you next week. And you can listen over on the podcast on SEN or the SEN app. And we are getting better at this, Bandy. It's uh, see you later time. Bye-bye. See you later.